0: Welcome to the Christ Church Conway podcast. We hope you find this podcast to be a resource that helps you grow in your faith through the study of scripture and theology. If the kids make their way back to their seed, if you want to turn in your Bible to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1, I entered that wrong, First Samuel chapter 1, verse 1 through chapter 2, verse 10. We're not going back in time here, that would be fun too. Um, 1 Samuel chapter 1 uh, through 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 10. And this is a long passage, but, but I want us to hear this story. So we're going to read all of it uh, this morning. So let's focus and give our attention to the reading of God's holy and inspired word. There was a certain man of Ramathiam, Zophim, of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jer- Jerahan, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuth, and Ephrathite. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests to the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters, but to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. The man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, As soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. "'Wait until you have weaned him. "'Only may the Lord establish his word.' "'So the woman remained and nursed her son "'until she weaned him. "'And when she had weaned him, "'she took him up with her, "'along with a three-year-old bull, "'an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine. "'And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. "'And the child was young. "'Then they slaughtered the bull.' And they brought the child to Eli and she said, Oh, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord for this child. I prayed and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord as long as he lives. He is lent to the Lord and she worshiped the Lord there. And Hannah prayed and said, my heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has born seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and He exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them He has set the world. He will guard the feet of His faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. Most gracious Father, as we look at your word this morning, I ask that by your spirit you would strengthen us to hear and understand. Give us ears to hear, we ask. Give me a mouth to speak boldly the wonders of the gospel. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, if you've been around here very long at all, and most of you have, you know that, that, that I am fairly convinced that the Bible is the story of God establishing His kingdom through his Christ, according to his covenant promises. That's the overarching story of the Bible. That's, that's what it's all about. That's what God is doing from beginning to end, establishing his kingdom through his Christ, according to his covenant promises. But along the way, what we see, as God is working out that, that kingdom Christ covenant reality, what we see is that, that there's the people of God constantly as part of the story. And and as God is working out His kingdom, establishing it through Christ according to His covenant promises, the people of God are constantly having to work things out also. And and what we are having to work out, as y'all have heard me say time and time again, is our hope, security, and identity. Right from the beginning, that's the struggle. That's what we're trying to figure out. That's what Eve and Adam in the garden were trying to figure out. That's what Moses was trying to figure out. That's what the Israelites were trying to figure out as they wandered in the wilderness. That's what they were doing all through the judges cycle. They were trying to figure out their hope, security, and identity. And Yahweh would send a judge and they'd be like, oh yeah, it's found in him. But then they would get distracted. They would see the nations around them and and say, oh, but maybe, maybe it's there. And they would run after that. And then they would lose everything. And then God would send them a judge and say, oh yeah, it's in God. That's where our hope secured. And that's the story. And that's the story on through the New Testament. Remember 2 Corinthians that we just finished. What were they doing? They were wrestling constantly with those realities. Are we going to listen to the gospel? Are we going to listen to what Paul said, the hope, security, and identity that he gave us? Or are we going to listen to these super apostles and what they said? And, and perhaps in, in no place is, is this reality of the people of God working out, trying to figure out their hope, security, and identity as God establishes kingdom through his Christ according to his covenant promises, perhaps no place is that on like bolder displays than in the story that we have in First and 2 Samuel. Because in this story, what we see is we see Israel going from this, this state of existence under these j- tribal judges, kind of, kind of a tribal existence, moving from that to a monarchy. Culturally, so from, from a societal standpoint, they're being redefined. How they're going to understand life, how they're going to function in life, is, is being utterly redefined. And that causes them individually to have to think through things as well. And we see this same struggle pop up in, in the opening verses that we've just read of the story of Samuel. You've got this family situation that, that, that's kind of explained in, in all of its painful, heartbreaking detail in the first eight verses. There's this Elkanah, this guy, Elkanah, he's got two wives, Hannah and Peninnah, and, and, and he loves Hannah, but, but she is barren. She can't have children. And and this sister wife is just horrible about the whole situation. She's absolutely she's, she's just, I mean, it, it calls her uh, her rival. And, and what she would do is provoke Hannah. Why? Because she had something. She, she, I, I'm gonna say, she had taken. the the, the fact that she had kids and was building her whole self on that and exalting herself over Hannah, saying, I'm the one that gave dear husband children. I'm the one that gave him offspring. You've given nothing. You're not capable. See, here's, here's what we do in our sin. If you think about the Ten Commandments, All of the Ten Commandments are given. In fact, all of the commandments of God are given. What they're trying to get us to do, though, listen, it's real scary when you're like... (laughs) (laughs) What they're trying to get us to do is find our hope, security, and identity entirely in who God is and who He says we are. What we constantly do is listen to all these other voices that, that come from the world, that come from our friends, that come from our kids and and what they do or don't do, that that come from our own messed up little heads, that come from our past failures, that come from our present successes. What the law of God is trying to get us to do is say, no, 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 that's that's not actually what defines you. And and it's, it's this mirror that shows us those things so that we'll turn from them. But what we do in our sin is exactly what we see playing out here. You see, see you see, Paninna being like, ha ha, I'm the awesome one. That's who I am. I'm the one who bears children for dear Elkanah. You, and, and this is the, what we do to each other, we, we, we give each other these horrible ideas. You, Hannah, are the barren one who surely is a disappointment. And we provoke each other. And then we step in and like Elkanah did and we try to make ourselves the hero and and try to say, "Well, I'm going to give you a good identity. Am I not worth more to you than 10 sons?" No. <laughs> You're not. I appreciate the effort, Elkanah. <laughs> Guys, don't try to be your wife's savior. You're not. You can't be. But this is what we do constantly to each other. And it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. Elkanah meant well, and it was still brutal. But Elkanah was faithful. And so in the the next 12 verses... They take their, their yearly journey to, to Shiloh. That's where the tabernacle, if you go back to the book of Joshua towards the end, Shiloh is where they end up setting, the, setting up the tabernacle and, and things kind of stay there until David moves stuff to Jerusalem. But, but, so they go to Shiloh to worship. Their yearly journey to, to go to Shiloh, worship, make sacrifices, do all the things that they're supposed to do. And while they're there, Hannah is undone because of this, this sister wife. And, and it's understandable. It's absolutely understandable. Her goal, the, the Bible tells us, her Penina's goal was to make Hannah's life absolutely miserable. Absolutely miserable. And she did a great job. She was so good. She was so good at it. And Hannah is undone. She can't eat. She can't drink. She's broken to the core. Why? I think part of what's going on here is because she's struggling with the lies she's being told about herself. even Even though Elkin is giving her the double portion because he loves her. The reality is what we see in Hannah is what we see in all of us. We can hear the gospel. We can hear of our justification. We can hear that in Christ we have all that we need, that we are adopted as as children of God, that we are the beloved, that we are justified, that we are sanctified, that we are presently free from sin, that dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. We can hear all of that. We can hear all of it. And we can say, yes, I believe that. But it takes such a small voice to say, you're horrible. You're no good. And we switch our understanding just like that. Just like that. Hannah could receive the double portion from her husband because he loved her but be provoked to her very core by these other sounds that she was hearing, by these other voices that she was hearing. And we're the same way. We're the exact same way. And and what the world tells us to do in those moments is the exact wrong thing. Because what the world tells us to do in those moments is, you know what you need to do? You need to figure out who you are. And to do that, you need to go into yourself. And there you'll find it. And I want to be clear. It's not one side or the other. Everybody tells us that. Everybody tells us that. Don't don't believe the lie that it's just one side that's exalting the self as, as the end all be all. That's absolutely not true. Everyone but Christ is exalting the self as the end all be all. And and we're supposed to go in and figure out who we are. Well, that's not what Hannah does. She goes to God in great vexation, it says, in great sorrow. Did you know you can go to God that way? Did you know that? I've been listening to this, this guy that that has, has kind of helped me rethink through confession as it, something that's not just saying, oh, I'm sorry, I did this, I did this. But, but, it, but it's being honest before God with what it is you actually believe about yourself and about Him and about His attitude towards you and all of that. And that's what Hannah's doing. She goes to God utterly broken. She goes in anguish and vexation. She goes unable to eat. She goes unable to speak. And calls out to God. Help me. And and then this well-meaning priest who I have to assume was a Presbyterian. Because he sees a woman having a charismatic moment in the sanctuary and he doesn't know what to do. He is completely thrown off by the whole situation. And he's like, she must be drunk. It's only logical conclusion. And Hannah says, no, that's not the situation. I'm broken. And I'm calling out to my God. Because she doesn't know what else to do. She doesn't know where else to go. Because everyone around her is telling her lies about herself. And she's believing them. And so she goes to the only place she can to hear what is true. And to call out to the only one she can for the help that she needs. And, for, for, and, and look, she's asking here, and I love this. She's asking for something she wants. She doesn't need a kid to stay alive. She doesn't need a kid to have her husband's affection. She, she's got that. Her health apparently is fine. Like there's nothing in the story. She just wants a child. And she wants God to give it to her. And so she asks for She goes to God because she's broken by not having a kid. And she asks for his help. And when Eli, the first Presbyterian minister of Shiloh, (laughs) realizes what's going on, he says, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she hears the declaration of the man of God who's kind of figured out what's going on. And her response is, let your servant find favor in your eyes. And she went away and ate and was no longer sad. Because God had answered her. She didn't have a kid yet. But the God to whom she went, our God, answered her. Reminded her who she was. Reminded her to whom she belongs. Reminded her that there was someone who could hear her. And gave her this word through Eli that she had been heard. So then they go back home. And, and we're told that she conceives and bears a son and names him Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. Now, the etymology of Samuel doesn't really line up great with I have asked of him from the Lord. Saul does. The, the word Saul is, is the word to ask. So all, it's, it's ask in Hebrew. But, but Samuel, and there's all kinds of fun debate about Why did she say Samuel and I've asked him to the Lord? And here's what I think is happening. Shema is the word for here. El is the word for God. I I think what she's saying by naming him Samuel, I think she put those two ideas together and said, God heard me. I'm I'm not alone. That's not just my little creative. I think that's what's going on. I asked him the Lord. Shema El. God heard me. Samuel. The one that was given to her because God heard her. What a name. What a name. She called out to God and he heard her. See, that's that's what fathers do. I, I know we get it wrong sometimes, our kids call out to us and we either don't hear Him or, or we act like we didn't hear Him. But, but not your Heavenly Father. You call out to Him, and He hears you. You call out to Him in your vexation. You call out to Him in your anger. You call out to Him in your brokenness. You call out to Him in your fear. You call out to Him in your need. You call out to Him in your darkness. And He hears you. And He answers. And he answers with mercy. Because all he wants from us is for us to take refuge in him and his son. That's what he wants. And when we do, without fail, grace and peace, mercy, love is what we get without fail. 21 through 28. Hannah stays home for for the next few trips back to worship. And, and, And she she's not, wanna be clear, she's not trying to like, you know, renege on the deal here. She's not backing out of it. She just knows like you can't really give a nursing child to a dude. Like that's not gonna work out. There, there's some real practical issues with that, right? And so she's like, I'm going to stay here. And when, he, when the child is weaned, when he doesn't need me to stay physically alive, I'll take him and give him to the priest. And so that's what happens. Elkanah goes, he worships. And then after a few years, Hannah goes with him and they make the sacrifices and they slaughter. And she gives the child to Eli. Kids, this is what's depicted on the kids sheet, th- this scene. And she says, oh my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed. And the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. Now think about this. Think, think about, I mean, and, and here's why I think there's identity stuff going on here. Hope, security, hope. And, and, and that she, she learned in that prayer not to find it in having kids. Because what happened? She has one, and she gives them away. And now she's childless again. Now, we know later in the story, it tells us she has more kids. But she began to understand, where I find my hope, where I find my security, where I find my identity, is only in Yahweh. Not in having Samuel, Certainly not in Elkanah, by no means in this other one. It's in Yahweh. And so she sings or prays this prayer that has references to different psalms and all of this. And I'm going to read this prayer of hers again because I want us to see what it is that she's done. I want us to see what it is that God has done in her. How she is, how he has set her eyes squarely on him as her entire hope, her entire security, her entire identity. Because that's where he's calling us all to live. My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on the street. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash sheep to make them sit with princes and, and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones. But the wicked will be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. Now I want us to think about what all she says in that real briefly. And here's what she does. She goes through everything that we are tempted to find our hope, security, and identity in that's not Jesus and says it can be taken away because it actually means nothing. And she goes through everything that when we don't have it, we're tempted to to despair over and to be hopeless over and and, and, and to wonder about our hope, security, and identity. And in going through all of these things, what she says is when you when you take those things before God, they're nothing. And He is everything. You're hungry, He gives food. You think you've got it made in the shade, and He can take it all away. You you think you're poor? You you, you think you have nothing and, and, and are unworthy? of life itself in this world, and he sets you with princes. It's not your strength that makes you prevail. It's him. Everything, all everything that, that she, her enemies, that our enemies, the, the, the people that, that we're scared of, no, no, no. He'll deal with them. All of it. Everything that we're tempted to find our hope, security, and identity in, she, she, she calls us, it, it's nothing, it's all you. Everything that we're tempted to despair over and feel hopeless and, and insecure and, 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 and not know who we are. She says, you answer it all. You answer it all. This, this last few clauses of, of her prayer The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. The word anointed there is is the word Messiah. Mashiach. But but it's got the the personal pronoun, Mashiachu. It's God's anointed. God's Christ. And this is what really launches the rest of the story of Samuel. God is going to do something. And what he's going to do is establish his kingdom through his Christ. And and, and what the book of Samuel is about is exactly what we just saw Hannah go through. Learning to find our hope, security, and identity and who God is And who this Christ is, through whom he will establish his kingdom. Because he's the one that does it. That's what the whole book's about. They they think Saul's the one, and he is for a time, but then he's rejected. Why? Because he himself quit looking to God. And then there's David, and he's exalted. And then the story continues, of course, after David, until finally we get to the king, the anointed one, the Christ. And what did we hear in Mark was his message. The kingdom of God is at hand. Because I'm here. And that's what what Jesus was trying to get everybody to do. Repent of their sin. Repent of all the things that they look to for their hope, security, and identity and come to me and I will lift you up. All the burdens that you carry, all the the, the, the hopelessness and the insecurity and, and, and the false ideas, all the stuff that you carry, give it to me and you take my yoke upon you and I'll give you life. Repent of all of that and take refuge in me. That's what Israel is learning to do in the book of Samuel. To rightly identify who the king is and to take refuge in him that they might have the hope, security, and identity that comes only through God's anointed. And guess what? That's what we're all trying to do also. To hear the voice of our king. To to rightly identify who the true king is. And take refuge in him. So that we can live in the hope, security, and identity that is ours in him. And that doesn't come from your work. It doesn't come from your family. It doesn't come from your spouse. It doesn't come from your friends. It doesn't come from your failures. It doesn't come from your sin. It comes from Christ. It comes from him. That's why we're called to take refuge in the king, the anointed one. Because he's the one that pulls us out of our sin, out of our darkness, out of our lostness, and gives us life. He's the one who does that. He's the one who Hannah met. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for the richness of these stories, that that though they are so ancient and, and in many ways so other just speak directly to our hearts and drive us to take refuge in Jesus. We thank you that that Paul reminded us as he wrote to Timothy that they're still relevant. They still matter. They still teach us. They still drive us to take refuge in your King, your anointed one. Might you teach us to do that? In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Christchurch Conway podcast. We hope this teaching has helped you grow in the unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God. Please feel free to share this resource so that others may also be strengthened in their faith through the study of Scripture and theology.